Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hi, I'm Dominic Patton. And I'm Pete Hammond. And this is the Deadline Podcast TV Talk. All right, right. We're, we're, we're back. We're back, Dominic, talking about TV here for uh, the whole uh, Emmy season. And uh, today we're going to be discussing the uh, latest trends in TV this year. It's a huge landscape uh, that we're talking about. Plus, you're going to hear a snippet of my conversation with Josh Brolin and the cast of Outer Range from our Contenders TV event this year. But before we get to talking to Josh, let's talk some TV. Now, this year, this season has seen a number of specific themes. Crime, pretty much a small screen favorite, has really, really resurged. And we're not just talking law and order, but also dystopia. And and this is the one I want to start off with, what I'm going to call the tech scam genre. Specifically, Who Lose the Dropout, We Crashed, and Super Pumped, which is the first season was about the rise of Uber with Joe Gordon-Levitt. Pete, why do you think these these kind of shows have suddenly become on the radar? I, you know, because I think uh, all of these companies are involved in the tech world, and uh, it's what fascinates them. They want to know a lot about themselves, and uh, as long as it's not them that is doing the wrong, uh, the wrong thing here, I think uh, they think it makes good fodder for for television, and it does. Look at We Crash. That's a that's a very interesting story that goes beyond the simple fact that they're going to create this whole thing of, uh, you know, a a new way of office space, essentially. We we should just tell everyone that if you haven't seen it, We Crashed is based on the, the, let's call it a scam in some eyes and a fiasco in others, uh, (laughs) the first iteration of WeWork, which basically was offices for people who don't want offices. $47 billion valuation that sort of went down the drain because of the nature of the uh, person that founded it, Adam Newman, and who worked very closely with his wife. Uh, and they are played by Jared Leto and uh, uh, Anne Hathaway. And it's really interesting uh, to sort of see that relationship and to see a guy that gets full of himself and full of an idea here and takes it too far. Now it's still going uh, in terms of this company, but he's not. And, yeah, it's uh, a, it's, but he got an amazing multi-billion dollar pa- golden parachute. And of course, just based on everything we're talking about today, you can expect to see an Elon Musk Twitter miniseries next year. <laughs> I, I but what I find fascinating, what, what I find fascinating about these is, is it's all about form and execution. You know, it basically, all of these shows, be it Elizabeth Holmes and the dropout, they, the, the, the breaking the rules and trying to invent a whole new industry of super pumped and the rise of Uber, and we crashed, it's a lot of people sitting in offices or talking on computers. And yeah. yet the essential drama is really the American dream. And the American dream has always made good television. Yeah, and I think, um, you know, places like Apple, which has We Crashed and, you know, Hulu and all of these things, I think they're just, like I said, very intrigued by these stories of their own. 
of people in their own world, as long as it doesn't get out of control. And, uh, and I don't think we're going to see an Elon Musk Twitter series, because I don't think Elon Musk is going to get his hands on Twitter. But wouldn't that be interesting? And, and that would be, you know, worth at least eight episodes. At least. And who would play Trump? Uh, oh, God. Well, the guy on Saturday Night Live, I think, is great. Ah! <laughs> I, I, to me, actually, I mean, just to, to step back to last year, Donald Trump will always be played now by Brendan Gleeson, in my mind, who was amazing in the Comey Files. I mean, there are certain people who, when they play a character, they, uh, they now, they exemplify that character, and he will always be Trump. Everyone else's Trump is third to fifth rate now compared to his. Always. That's right. Um, um, now, talk, but to talk about natural segue, because, of course, Donald Trump is like, you know, awaiting indictment on about 18 million things. Yeah. Let's talk about the crime. Yeah, the well, crime so much about crime on television. There always has been, you know, it's the procedural series and all of that. Um, you know, the law and orders, the CSI, all of those things will never go away. We're, we're, we're stuck with it. But it actually has seeped out into the landscape of the streamers who seem to be fascinated by all this crime. You mentioned even, you know, the dropout, you know, there was somebody who's awaiting and we don't even know yet in September. Well, I mean, that's exactly right. I mean, Elizabeth Holmes has, has been found guilty of defrauding investors, including Rupert Murdoch, I might add, and many other old, old white guy suckers. Um, and she could receive up to 20 years. So the yeah. dropout, which is on Hulu, um, from uh, Liz Merriweather, um, could actually have an extra episode, I guess, at one point. Like, they're going to have to figure that out. There's a real ending. Well, there's a real ending, you know, and, and others are still continuing to tell their stories as well. The girl from Plainville, she's out now, but, you know, um, her life, where does that go next? All of these kinds of things um, are, are interesting to see. There's one I've been watching called Candy, which is going to be launching in mid-May on uh, Hulu, and uh, that's actually taken 42 years, and now there's two two competing limited series about the same exact story from 1980. They just got around to it. And why uh, these things are accidental somehow, but why they're, they've latched onto this story, it's again, a kind of fascinating crime story about an ax murder uh, between two women and what happened. But, um, you know, I don't think crime ever goes away on television. It just seems to work as a real staple here. And that's it. But I also want to mention, Dominic, in the landscape of television here, there's too much television for us to get through. This is way too much. Our contenders event had to be two days, 54 shows, all these networks I've never and even heard And it of. was packed until the very end. Yeah, and I've never even heard of half these places where these shows are on, you know? I mean, they're, they're popping up everywhere. And it's, I, I read, and I think it's true, that the, for the consumer, they're, they're way in over their head and they're too confused, it's too much. It's finally jumped the shark in that sense. Um, I don't think so. You know, it's funny. I thought, let's say pre-pandemic, when everyone had announced their streaming intentions, the Disney Pluses, the Peacocks, the very short-lived Quibi, and, and, and all the rest. And I did think, and then the, the creation of, you know, the kind of amalgamations of existing things, CBS All Access became Paramount Plus, and HBO Go became HBO Max with more, like all that stuff. I did think 
especially during the pandemic. I thought, look, if people are losing their jobs, people are, you know, their, 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 their quality of life is dramatically changed. At one point, someone's going to go, look, I'm sorry, like I have more to do with $12.99 a month or $5.99 a month than this. But interestingly enough, that didn't happen. There was actually, people did sign up. There are people, maybe now you could say with the, the, the introduction of the CNN pluses, which clearly has not been plus, but been minus for CNN. <laughs> um, but they're pretty much, you know, people are still sustaining. I mean, I would say in some ways, streamers have become like what CDs were. People just, you didn't think, oh, I already have Led Zeppelin 4. Why am I going to buy it on CD? Man, I bought that album three times on CD because then there was the remastered version and the this version. And I think that that's what's happening. And the amount of choice on the streamers um, of all depictions, be it if you're a single person, young, single person, older, single person, middle-aged, family, family of two, family, all that kind of thing, there it literally is an outlet for everyone. And because of the way they work on a platform, you can have your kids in front of the big TV watching Disney Plus. You can be sitting on your iPad watching something on HBO Max. You can have your, your mother or your aunt who's visiting, you know, in another room watching something like this. There's a whole universe allows you to have that in, in just within, you know, I don't know, 1,000, 1,500 square feet radius, if nothing else. So I think that what that what it feels like in the famous John Langruff, FX boss, you know, depiction that there's too much TV on, a lot of which he's responsible for, I might add. Well, um, yes. That there is, <laughs> I feel there's a, it's overwhelming, but what's happening is, like anything in life, the, the vast majority of it is mediocrities. And the mediocrities, exactly. and, and in award season, mediocrities pretty much are out of the picture for the most part. There are some that make it through, but that's usually because they have a big name attached to them. But so I think that when you look at top level stuff, I mean, all the shows we've mentioned here, and we haven't yet really started to talk about the dystopian f futures or dystopian environments of Ben Stiller directed Severance or uh, Ava DuVernay's executive produced DMZ or the amazing Station Eleven from HBO, which was like almost too timely in some We're ways. We're going to get to all of those as we break them down yeah. over the course of the, the season here and talking all the individual categories. But and they're also full, but there's also much. And I just, I don't know, I bleed nostalgia for, you know, when we could watch once, once a week and wait for the next week for the next thing and talk about it. Now you watch it all at once. It's crazy. Uh, I mentioned the show Candy. They're going to launch it every single night. You got to watch the thing and then it will be available to binge if you want to do that. Um, they're all trying different things to keep the, the conversation going. But I think it's very hard to keep a conversation and to keep, you know, attention deficit syndrome from occurring here uh, with all this material to talk about all this stuff. I just feel like I'm missing it all, you know, because- Well, let me ask you this. Let me ask you this, because I've become very interested in viewing patterns. You know, we definitely have seen, I'll give an example. I had an example over Christmas where I was somewhere watching something um, and, I was watching it on linear television and I was watching it in real time and it wasn't sports. It was a show. Um, and it was bizarre to me, this thing called commercials that I couldn't get past. 
I had, I had to sit there for two and a half minutes and watch people try to sell me cars and medication that I, neither of which I wanted or thought were very you good know, for you. If, um, you know, if you miss commercials, you can pay for them now on Hulu and all these other. Well, exactly. And so, but <laughs> my, so my question is that has already occurred, but now in the streaming world, originally the standard was set by Netflix, which is we come out with a season and we drop all seven, 10, 13 episodes, boom, they arrive on the Thursday or the Friday. Now it's a real smorgasbord. You know, most of the streamers, Apple TV Plus, HBO Max, uh, at Peacock and all the rest of them, uh, Paramount Plus, they give you one episode a week. Actually, it's not entirely true. They usually debut with two or three and then they give yeah. you one a week, right? Which do you prefer? And how do you watch them? Do you watch them one a week or do you wait to the end? I, I like all, to watch them one a week. I've been binging a couple just because I have to interview people for them. And so I need to, to watch them. But it's like it's like a chore. I got, oh God, I got to spend like four hours here tonight watching this thing. And I prefer, like I really liked watching uh, Mayor of Easttown last year uh, once a week. And I thought that really worked for that show because it built in ratings weekly too, HBO noticed. And I think they're missing that kind of water cooler conversation that comes from the old fashioned way of distribution once a week on these kind of shows. And uh, I, I like that. I, I, I'm I, in reverse. I, I am in, in so many things. I like to embrace the new, but I am a Netflix man when it comes to the format of, of, of distribution. I want all my episodes at once. Then, okay. And I like, because what I don't like is I don't like getting three episodes in and then I have to wait. I well, like, I like, I believe that consumer choice is the currency of the realm. And when you take my choice away as a consumer, you frustrate me. And yeah. some, and to some degree, Mayor of Easttown, uh, Easttown being an ex exception, to some degree, the data that we do know of shows that there is a drop off quite quickly after the first couple of episodes. And I wonder how strong that is on some of the other streamers. Now, having said all that, what has been for you the number one or the drama that you have enjoyed the most so far this season and that will, that will be Emmy eligible? The drama series? Whatever, you define it. Uh, well, it all started in the summer for me, but we're gonna talk about this in ne next week's show with the limited series. But I haven't uh, had a better time all year than I had uh, watching The White Lotus. I felt like I was on vacation because I go to that hotel where they're ah. and I, you know, and I haven't been in a couple of years because of the pandemic. So I felt like I was there and I just loved it. So yeah, that was my guilty pleasure. What about you? Well, I mean, let's be honest, when we're talking about this, I'm sure you, our listeners know, but the Emmy eligibility period runs from June 1st, 2021 to May 31st, 2022. And voting starts, uh, I believe on June 16th, actually, I think. Yeah. Um, in terms of drama, Station Eleven on HBO Max, the dystopian story. I couldn't get into it. I, I was, I, you know, I think there, there are times, to give you an example of what I think is completely reversed, I think We Crashed, it, to me, is like borderline irrelevant. I just don't care. I know how it ends, just like the Bible, so there's no drama involved. <laughs> And, and I feel, uh, you know, a, a whole bunch of things. I mean, Jared and Anne are great in it, Jared Leto and Anne Hathaway, but there's issues, most of which I just don't care about these people, you know? It breaks the Robert McGee thing, which is like, I, I have no empathy for the main characters. So I just go away. Okay. Um, but I thought Station Eleven with its tale of a 
of a airborne plague coming and wiping out a huge, huge number of human beings and changing the way we live. It coming out during that period last year was just incredible, just incredible. And, and the performances by Mackenzie Davies and others were just so strong, so strong. So that really was one of my, my all-time favorites this year. Um, but I was also a huge, a huge fan of Inventing Anna. And I remain a very, very big fan. And I do seem like I'm talking about limited series mainly here. But we'll, again, as you said, we'll talk about it later. But I love Dope Sick. I love Dope Sick and The Dropout and Made. I just thought those were exceptional shows. Oh, so in definitely. terms of drama, that's where I was at. What yeah. about you in terms of comedy? Uh, comedy. Oh, man. Um, you know, how do you define comedy these days? But for me, it started and ended with Hacks uh, last ah. season. And I can't wait for the new season of Hacks. I'm in the Academy. I voted for that script. They were very smart to just put one script up, you know, instead of six for Ted Lasso and all of that. I really loved it. I thought it was so smart and uh, and great. I also loved and, and look forward to more from What We Do in the Shadows. I think that's a hilarious show. Great show. Ah. Uh, there's a lot of good ones out there. Uh, you can seek them out and, and find them. But, you know, we'll be talking about comedies. Um, but, um, you know, Pam and Tommy is, I don't know how you Technically define it. could be a comedy, at least a comedy of errors. <laughs> It could be, you know, it's one of those limited series, but it was very funny, as was a lot of White Lotus and things. They're just different comedy. It's not all like it used to be with the sitcoms and things. And yeah, I'm yeah. sorry to see some of them go. But away. I will tell you, by the way, let's always remember television, like men and women, is not an island. Well, I have had a couple of experiences over, you know, over the past couple of years where I found myself pulled back into the wormhole of, of time travel. And let me tell you, the great thing about almost all the streamers as they've tried to collect their IP and their license rights, materials and projects is the old stuff. You watch old Seinfeld episodes and suddenly four hours of your life has gone by oh, because you realize, no, I'm question. here, this is excellent. I, I'll tell you, you want to know the one I'm having the most fun with this year is Two and a Half Men. I realized. Hold I on. Are you talking them. Charlie Two and a Half Men or Aston Two and a Half Men? I, I thought they were both good, but Charlie's is the one I've been looking Classic, at. Classic, buddy. Classic. Yeah, you know what? It really holds up. It's so not designed what, what they used to be the family hour, but it's in syndication, you know, at 7 and 7.30, at least here in Los Angeles. I think that show, you know, genuinely funny and well-written. And, you know, it's very difficult to do. Anyway, to be continued... Uh, there's a lot to talk about, and uh, and I think we're going to have a good time with uh, our TV talk this this uh, season. So we're glad to be back, and we're sorry we weren't back. Well, one of the shows that is coming a very intriguing kind of premise. It's kind of Twilight Zone meets Yellowstone meets Dances with Wolves meets all kinds of things. It's a weird show, but it's got a great cast, including Josh Brolin, who stars in it, and a wonderful supporting cast too. Uh, it is called Outer Range. It is on Amazon, and I had the pleasure of talking to that cast at our Contenders panel. It was the very first one on the first day of Contenders, eight in the morning, and they were great. So listen to a little bit of my conversation with Josh and the cast of Outer Range.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, they have given me a list uh, in their press notes of what I can't talk about. So that is it. I, I thank you for coming. You bet. <laughs> so uh, what I can't, and, and that tells you what you're in store for here. There is so much happening, so many twists and turns that we can't begin to reveal them. But I got to ask you. Uh, this is very supernatural, and there is a big black hole on this ranch, on this place, that is so key to it. It's almost dances with wolves meets Twin Peaks meets every number of things. I, I don't know how to describe it. Me, I don't know how to describe it either, so welcome. Um, <laughs> yeah, it meets David Lynch, meets Kubrick, meets... And, and that's kind of what's great about it. You know, you watch that, and you go, okay, so look... The normal thing is you have Yellowstone and the Western genres back, and then everybody's trying to piggyback on that thing. I think what we've done, or at least what collectively, what everyone's done, is create a danger zone. And it doesn't feel safe. And I think that that's a good thing. And you have this show, which brings up a lot of kind of reactions. You have great actors to be able to, you know, uh, see that come to fruition in a really, really interesting way. In one of the episodes, there's a quick shot of a billboard that I noticed, and uh, and I went back and I wrote it down because I think it sort of sums up the whole thing behind this. America tells you that the only things worth knowing are those which can be known. America is wrong. I thought that was fascinating, and that's what this is about. This is about the unknown and how you all deal with that in, in your own individual ways. Yeah. Uh, shout out to Brian Watkins, who created it. Uh, he's not here today, but, um, you know, has done a masterful job. And also a production company, Plan B, which happens to be uh, multi-Oscar winners, uh, Dee Dee Gardner, uh, Jeremy Kleiner, and Brad Pitt behind this as well. So good people. Lily, I have to say you have done so many amazing things. She is one badass. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, tell me about Cecilia. Tell, tell me about this character and what appealed to you and, and obviously working with this cast. Yeah, well, I, I mean, I play a, a cowgirl rancher, run a ranch with Josh. No-brainer. Doing this, yes. <laughs> yeah. So in doing this, what was it, like eight months there in New Mexico? And uh, a, a lot of it, you're developing this character as you're kind of going along, feeling through it. What, what was that process like? Well, it was, you know, we've all been through it the past couple of years, and we were living it in New Mexico, and uh, it was kind of an initiation, um, and we all survived and, and grew, and uh, I think all, we share a common bond, and it'll never be broken. Okay, well, that's true, because this was all shot during COVID, as so many of the productions that you're going to be seeing this weekend had to deal with, but this one in kind of extraordinary circumstances. Yeah, and I didn't realize that you can't get COVID when you're acting. <laughs> Which Amazon told us, and that was good to learn. <laughs> What's she like to work with as a... Uh, Her? Yeah, uh, yeah. Phenomenal. 
like phenomenal. I mean, it's just the most authentic person you would ever want to meet. And when you're when you're on that, you know, it's funny because she would do this thing where she would look at her phone at her dialogue, and I was like, is she learning? Like I've spent the last three weeks learning my dialogue. Is she learning it like on set? But it was like it was a reminder that would put her in this place, and she would shift into this other place because we had a we had a really good time when we were shooting. I mean, even though we had masks on, I didn't know who I was talking to. Um, <laughs> We had a really, really good time, and it was an incredible bond. But at the same time, you'd see these actors, all of them, go into this other place when they would act. And then the minute the scene was over, we'd pop back into, you know, the little bratty adolescence that we are. <laughs> and Imogene Poots, uh, you know, people might be astonished after watching the show if they haven't seen you do one of the many, many things you've done in your career. You're British, you know. You're not an American uh, hippie girl here that's coming out to... Uh, set up a tent on this ranch and cause all kinds of trouble. Uh, what? <laughs> Acting. Yeah, crazy. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. yeah. So what yeah. was it like diving into this piece of Americana? Um, it was really cool because being British, I was really obsessed with the American West and the myth of the American West growing up and romanticized it and um, always fantasized about being in something of this genre. So getting to be a part of it and deconstruct it and also you know, have this otherworldly element was just a dream come true in terms of the material. Like it was just, yeah, I've just, uh, maybe coming from it, you know, as an outsider really lent a lot also to the role. She's kind of an alien character in that way. And she isn't an alien, but I mean, I don't, I don't, but anyway. Careful but, what you say with this well, show. No, I mean, uh, <laughs> help. <laughs> She just may be season two, <laughs> but it's uh, she's a very interesting character because she's the mystery here. You never know where she's headed. And did you, when it started, when they came to you, did they give you a Bible as it's known in the business to where this character's going and how to play that? Yeah, there was um, a sort of outline and a lot of at least reassurance, I suppose, too that. You know, a lot of female characters end up uh, following a certain path. And um, it was really cool to hear what they envisioned for this woman. And, um, you know, she stood alone in her own way as much as, you know, she was never connected to another character specifically. And, um, yeah, they, they told me an outline and sort of how it would all come together but it was still kind of unknown like we were getting the scripts kind of as we were shooting you do a show like this and it starts to kind of dictate itself you know what i mean you have you have your blueprint and your script and all that kind of stuff and you have your eight episodes that you think you're going this direction and then especially when you're out in the middle of a hundred thousand acre ranch without a studio looking over your shoulder you have this kind of voice that becomes the show and you thought it was going to go this way and it actually starts to kind of dictate where it wants to take you well that was great and, and, you know, we're going to be doing this throughout the season, playing snippets of our Contenders TV uh, event interview with people. We're also going to do some other things, mix it up a bit. But thanks for listening to this episode of the return of the Deadline Podcast TV Talk. Make sure you subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify so you never miss an episode. And, of course, you can find all of our TV breaking news coverage at Deadline.com. So thanks for TV talking with us. See you soon. Goodbye.